Give a shout of praise to the one who got up for you. There you go. Go ahead and have a seat. Listen, I read this in the paper this morning. I read this in my newspaper this morning. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. (laughs) I read it in the paper this morning. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. It's in the paper. It's right here. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? (laughs) Why do you look for the living among the dead? Among the dead, he's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Why do you look for the living among the dead? It's Easter. This is a day of life. I love Easter. It's my favorite it's absolutely my favorite day of the year. As a, as a believer who did not have the luxury of being raised in the church, Easter for me as a child was about the bunny. Which wasn't bad. But then when I came to know the Lord, it's like, wait, wait what? There's more? Wait, what? He rose from the dead? I love Easter... In so many ways. But there's one thing that I don't like about Easter, and that's that there's not enough time to do all the music that you should do on Easter. And I love our music. I love our bands. I love our people. Who these, All these people serve as volunteers up here. I think you should give it up for them. Rob and I are the only professional Christians you'll see on the stage today. There we go. You know, uh, I love our music. I love our bands. I love the new stuff. I certainly do. I find meaning and life in it. But it seems like the, the more trips I make around the sun, it seems like I long for the older stuff. So if there's anybody in here who was uh, thinking the same way, actually everybody could sing with me. Lo, in the grave he lay, Jesus my guitar please <laughs> uh, from the grave he arose with 
arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Vainly they watched his bed, Jesus my
strong. He lives within my heart. Now give it up to the Lord. Give it up. There we go. I feel like I want to share one rendition of that last song, so... While I came to the Lord, you know, I really did appreciate all the messages of the, of the hymns. I just loved them, all that they said about Jesus. But I was kind of in a little different space musically at the time. So here's how I used to sing this when I was 22 years old and uh, nobody else was listening. I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy, I hear His voice. And just the time I need Him, He's always near and He lives. He lives. Well, you ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Well, you ask me how I know he lives. Sing it! He lives within my heart. I was never offered a recording contract of any kind. Wow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's good to see all you guys. It's really, really good to see all of you guys. Welcome. It's nice to see some of you infrequent flyers. <laughs> nice to see you. I finally figured out how to get you here, though. All I got to do is wear a suit. Every time I wear a suit, everybody comes. <laughs> Christmas and Easter, everybody comes. It's got to be the suit, right? Got to be. Can't imagine what else it'd be like. I would like to really welcome those of you who are here today who are here against your will. You just got worn down, didn't you? Okay, I'll go to your stupid winery or whatever church is that you go to. I'll go. We know who you are. We can tell by the heels of your feet. I thought about offering a shoe repair ministry for you guys because you've been drug in here backwards today. I just really want to tell you how glad that I am that you're here. If you are here today and you're unaccustomed to being in church, there are three things that you can do to make it through the rest of the service. One is you can catch up on your sleep, if you like. We got these chairs padded just for you. It's fairly crowded, so you should be able to lean up against somebody. You'll be fine. If you're already caught up on your sleep and there's something else you want to do, maybe you could count the ceiling tiles. I don't actually know how many there are up there but it'd be something that you could probably get through in the space of time that we have left. I figured this morning there's probably an easier way to get at 
a pretty good estimate. And that's if you just count the length by the width and multiply. I hate to bring math into it this early in the morning. but Well, the third option is you could just try and stay awake. And... You could just do whatever it takes to just see, just see, just see if maybe there's some truth to this. Just see if maybe, maybe there's something true about all this. I think I'm pretty sure that we all know that Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He was dead on Friday. No pulse. Dead. Crucified for our sins. Laying in a tomb for three days. And on Sunday he rose from the dead. And that's what we celebrate today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The physical, literal resurrection. Not symbolic. Not metaphorical. The literal, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ who not only paid the price for our sins on Friday, but conquered death for us by Sunday. That's what it's about. That's what we're doing here. We didn't come here because we're religious people. I'm probably one of the least actually religious people you may know. I just have a problem. My problem is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and when I invited him into my life, he came in. And now he's come in and he's changed everything. He's changed everything. He's taken away my life in order to give me a new one. Initially, I had planned to make this message the seventh in the Dining with Elephants series that we've been working on for the last six weeks. Initially, I th- in case you're new, um, we've been looking at some of the elephants in the room in the Christian faith, things that people are afraid to talk about, like, how do you know the Bible is even true and stuff like that? And I was going to try to give you a rational presentation for even considering believing in the resurrection, the rational side of the resurrection. But, you know, I just kept going on that, and I thought, well, we could talk again about the historicity of the Gospels, that is, that when you apply the same historical test to the Gospels as you apply to all the other historical facts of antiquity, all the other historical documents, when you apply objectively the same tests, then you come up with about 40 times more evidence that the New Testament Gospels are a reliable historical record than the account of Julius Caesar or Plato or Aristotle. And we don't question those. We take them as fact. I was going to go there, but I decided not to. (laughs) Because when you do that, when you think about the resurrection and all the other things that Jesus did that are recorded in the Gospels, you say, okay, I hear what you're saying about that they pass the same tests as other historical documents, but the contents are so extraordinary. I mean, Julius Caesar, you can get, you can get, follow the annals of the kings and the Caesars, and you can get that stuff, and you can, but but the Gospels, they, they may pass the test, 
But the contents don't make sense. It's so extraordinary. Let me ask you this. What would you expect from a historically accurate record of God coming to the earth? Would you expect that to be ordinary? In so many ways, it would have to be extraordinary, or we should be suspicious about it, right? So I'm not going to do that. Because if you don't accept the historical truth of the Gospels, you don't even have to worry about the resurrection. You don't even have a decision to make. But here's another thing. There are a lot a lot earlier decisions that you don't have to make either because if Jesus Christ was not the only begotten Son of God, if He did not come born of a virgin, if He did not come and do the things that He did, say the things that He said, if you can't accept that, then the resurrection is really a moot point, right? It just fits in with everything else. Well, of course it's not true. So you really don't have a decision to make. But what if it's true? What if it's true? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to read for you 1 Corinthians 15 where it says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me. I'm not going to tell you about that. So I'm not going to give you, make an attempt to make an analytical, rational presentation because I remembered something about the resurrection. And that's that at its very core, it's an irrational notion. It doesn't conform to reason. Because reason says when you're dead, you're dead, right? And the resurrection says, no, that's not true. When you're dead, you're not dead. You're just in transition. And that's irrational. Doesn't make sense. That may be why a woman named in the Bible named Martha never thought of resurrection as a possibility for her brother Lazarus who had died. Because it's irrational. It never occurred to her. It wouldn't, would it? It's irrational. It's resurrection. In John chapter 11, Jesus went to visit some friends, two sisters and a brother. Their names were Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Lazarus had died. They'd sent word to Jesus earlier that he was sick and dying and that he should come and heal, heal Lazarus, but he didn't go. He said, no, I'm not going. And he let him die. He died. And he died, and he got there, and he was met by the sisters who said, Lord, if you would have come here earlier, you could have healed him. Our brother wouldn't be dead. But Jesus looked at him, and he said, well, don't you know that he'll rise again? And Martha said, well, we know that he'll rise again at the last day, but... And then Jesus looked at her and said... I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he he looked straight in Martha's eyes and said, Do you believe this? Do you believe this? He asked her. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, anytime Jesus says, I am, we need to pay careful attention. We've noticed this before in the Bible, haven't we? Because I am is the Jewish name for God. Remember when Moses was called to go fetch the, you probably saw it on TV last night, when he went to go, go get the Israelites out of Egypt. And he says, well, who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell him I am sent you. That was the name for God, Yahweh. I am. Jehovah. I am. And so whenever Jesus says, I am, we need to pay attention because he's saying, I am, and what comes next is some part of the character of God living in him as God in the flesh. So when he says, I am the bread of life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, these things are expressions of the character of God living inside of him. And so here he says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. It's something that he is. I am this. I am the resurrection and the life. I am this. This is part of the character of God indwelling Jesus the Son while he was here. He's, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. But then he went on to say something really radical, and he said, I want to share this with you. I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me can have that inside of them too. They'll never die. That by extension, not by nature, but by extension, what will be given to you through Christ is the resurrection living inside of you. You getting this? He wants to come in as the risen one. He wants to come in and bring power into our lives as the risen one. I think that if, if the resurrection is something that Jesus is, then I think it would be good for us to try to think of it not as something that he did. Follow me. So, I think sometimes we think of the resurrection in much the same way we think of the cross. The cross, dying on the cross, was something that Jesus did for us, right? He did that. He did that. He voluntarily, at the time signaled by the Father, gave himself, offered himself as the perfect Lamb of God. That's something that he did. And that feels a little bit outside of us, doesn't it? So that when we come to Christ, we come to the cross, right? It's there, and then we come to it. And it's outside of us because it's something that Jesus did for us. But here Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's something that I am. And so indeed, he did rise from the dead, but it was an expression of the fact that he's God. Because that's who he is. He could not have risen from the dead because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, yes, what's Jesus doing risen from the dead? And the answer is simple. He's just being Jesus. 
He's just being Jesus. What's, what's Jesus doing walking up the disciples after he's risen and saying, hey, you got any fish? Let's eat. What's he doing? He's just being Jesus. This is who risen Jesus is. He's just being Jesus. Now, lo, these many years later, here we are believers, and we come, we come to God through faith in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross so that he can come and live in us in the power of the resurrection. Can I get a witness? Amen. I'm preaching much better than your amen in. Man. I want to say it this way. I want to say, Jesus did something for you on Friday so that he could become someone in you on Sunday. That's what I want to say. Jesus did something for you, something you could not do for yourself, on Friday so that he could become someone, not something, someone in you on Sunday. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I want to come inside of you. I want to indwell you and bring you life. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. I've heard great teachings, persuasive teachings about evidence that supports the resurrection. But as I was thinking about that this week, and all of them that I can remember hearing, I was impressed with the scholarship, with the thinking, all that stuff that went into it. But I remember that in every case, I never went away being more confident in the resurrection. That's not what changed me. Not an analytical persuasion that it happened, but the reality that Jesus Christ is living inside of me. He walks with me, he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. He's given me a name. <laughs> Jesus can do stuff inside of you that you just can't begin to imagine until it happens. We live these lives that are kind of quiet desperation without Jesus, and then he comes along and gives us purpose. He says, oh, you're my workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I got plans for you. We live in this state of anxiety about things. And Jesus comes, and from the inside, he gives us peace. Here's a big one. Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He'll take away our fear of death, not only for ourselves, but for others. We don't like it when a loved one dies, of course. Of course not. It's terrible. But we have no fear for that person who's in Christ, right? We have no fear for that person who's in Christ. Just think about your life. Believers, those of you who are believers already, just think about your life and how, how different it is in so many ways. It's not perfect yet, right? If it were perfect, you'd be me. Okay? It's not perfect yet. 
But it's different now, isn't it? I mean, it's different because Jesus is living inside of you. So there was a point at which Jesus looked at Martha and said, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that I'm really risen? And that's what he's asking us by extension. He's saying, do you believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead? Remember the disciple Thomas? And he came and go, nah, can't be true. You know, unless I see the nail prints in his hands, the cut in his side, I'm not even going to believe it. And the Lord shows up, right? And he says, have a look. I don't know where you are on the resurrection thing. I don't know where you are on the Jesus thing. But I know this, that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, and he's living inside of me, and he's living inside of lots of you. And that means something. That means something. Just to have my fear of death gone. <laughs> what have I told you you're supposed to do when I die? What have I told you? Have a pizza party. Roll my cold body out of the way and call Massey's. What an incredible difference in life it is to be able to live that way. You know what I'm talking about? I have a few questions. I want to start with those of you who are believers. Those of you who have already come to that place of making the decision to believe. I want you to reflect this morning. What are some of the ways you know that the Lord Jesus Christ is li- living inside of you? These are rhetorical questions, by the way. Don't call them out the answers. I always have to tell this group that. What are some of the things that are going on on the inside of you that you would say, well, that's different because Jesus Christ is living inside of me. I'm a different person than I likely would have been if not for Jesus coming and doing that. What are some of the things the Lord is currently working on in you? Because none of us are done, right? We're still in process. We're still on the journey, every single one of us. What are some of the things the Lord's speaking to you about? He's drawing you. He's drawing you forward. If you ever stop moving forward, beloved, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Something is wrong if you stop moving forward. You know it's wrong when you start moving backwards. It's wrong when you stop moving forward. What are some of the things that the resurrected Jesus living inside of you is saying, I'm still working on this. This is my agenda for you in this leg of the journey. And then believers also ask yourself this question this morning. What are some of the new things that you sense the Lord may want to bring out of you. What are some of the new things? You know, since we're never done, then it can always be new. The adventure continues, always. Just pray, Lord, here I am, I'm ready. Am I doing, am I living the life, doing the thing in the place, in the way that you want me to? If I am, confirm that. And if not, speak to me through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, through the witness of others, the ways that you speak to me. Speak to me and tell me what's next. 
That's a fun prayer to pray. What's next? But you got to buckle up when you do it. So believers, just would you just have some time with the Lord today and just ask Him those questions or rejoice in the things that He's already done? And then now I'd like to talk of, to those of you who would say, well, I'm not a believer. And that's really, we respect you. Not only you get to decide. I can't tell by looking at you. Wish I could. That'd make my life so much easier. But if you're here today and you say, you know, I hear what you're saying. I'm not really a believer. First of all, I want to say thank you for coming. All of my mm, passive-aggressive kidding earlier, I want to thank you for coming because I want to tell you something, unbeliever. I love you. I love you. And every believer in this room hearing me say that knows that that's true, that I love you. And some of you were unbelievers when you came and now you're believers. And you think back and you go, he's telling the truth, he loves you. I'd like to say I love you because of the love of God in me, but I hope that's true. But what comes to my mind when if you're asking, why would you love me, you don't even know me, it's because I was once you. I remember. I'll never forget. My memory of being without the Lord in my life will always have a strong imprint on the nature of this fellowship. And you will always be welcome here as a person who doesn't yet believe without judgment. But more important than that is your heavenly Father loves you. The God of the universe loves you. You go, yeah, but what about my stuff? You know, what about my stuff? I don't even believe in him. I don't know. What about the stuff that I do? He loves you. The God of the universe, your heavenly Father, loves you. You go, why would he love me? Because that is who he is. The Bible says that God is love. It's part of who he is. He can't not love you. He's made himself mind-blowing, I know. He has created himself in such a way that he can't not love you. He loves you. With all your stuff, he loves you. <laughs> he loved you. He loved me so much that he said it's not right that we're not together. So he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. That when we come to this God who loves us, releasing faith in what Jesus Christ, believing in what Jesus Christ has done for us, then we're reconciled to him. The broken relationship is healed. The sin is forgiven. And the love of God is felt. But a few questions for you to ponder as an unbeliever this morning is, what are some of the things that are currently going on in your life that the resurrected Lord Jesus living inside of you could help you with? (laughs) How could it be different if suddenly Jesus came in. 
What are some of the things that you feel you are missing from your life that the Lord Jesus would be able to fulfill? Like purpose, like peace, like freedom. Here's another question I want you to think about. What would need to happen in order for you to make an authentic decision to believe? It's a decision. It's a decision of faith. Kind of like getting on an airplane is a decision of faith. You make the decision. You choose to believe it. You reach your destination. You never would have done that had you not made a decision of faith. The experience follows the decision of faith. What would need to happen, unbelievers? What would need to happen in order for you to make an authentic decision to believe? And one more question for you. Really for everybody. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why do we look for life in systems and structures of our world that don't have life to give? When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he who believes in me, who believes in me, who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. The words of the Lord. A few more words of the Lord followed. Do you believe this? This morning I want to give you an amazing opportunity. If you are a person who has not yet come to the place of believing in Christ and you want to begin believing, you just want to begin believing, then Pastor Rob and his wife Amy are going to be standing over here by this door and they're going to be here just to chat and to pray with you to start your journey of faith to begin believing, just to start believing. Sometimes we call it become a Christian. Sometimes we call it saved. Sometimes we call it being born again. Can we just put that stuff aside and say, if you're a person who today says, I would like somebody to help me begin believing. And as we sing, I want you to just make the courageous step of moving from where you are over to where they are. They'll wait a while till some number comes and is revealed to them, this is the group, and they'll just begin to talk with you and pray with you. Church, let's stand, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, we rejoice in you. In the name of Jesus, we know that you live inside of us. In spite of our imperfections, in spite of our even broken promises, you continue to fulfill your promise in us that you so love the world that whoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. You fulfill your words that you are the resurrection and the life. And as a body, we say to you, we believe in you. We do believe, Lord. And we invite the power of your Holy Spirit to come now. 
for believers and those who do not yet believe alike. And move in our hearts, Lord, so this day would not be wasted, so this moment would not be passed without enjoying every bit of blessing and restoration that you mean for us in it. We welcome you, Lord, to come now and to reap the harvest that's yours from our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 